Hi, this is Ben Lowell with Back to the Bible Canada, and today we're continuing with Andy Steiger with a series entitled Thinking, Answering Life's Five Biggest Questions. And today's discussion will be about why is there evil? Let's join Andy and Dr. Neufeld now. Hi, it's Dr. John Newfeld here. What a delight it is for me to have Andy Steiger, Director of Apologetics Canada, in studio with us, who's spending the entire week with us on a number of very important and valuable topics. And uh, he'll introduce his own topic today. But Andy, what a joy it is to have you here talking about defending our faith and uh, some important issues that we need to deal with. Welcome to the studio, Andy. Today we want to look at the question, do all religions lead to God? This is a question I often hear, and it's also a question that I've personally wrestled through. A number of years ago, my wife and I had a crazy idea, or actually more, I had a crazy idea. We were driving along, and I told my wife, what if we quit our jobs and went traveling for a year? My wife just nodded, as she often does with my crazy ideas. But a year later, we had quit our jobs, packed up our backpacks, and for 13 months, we traveled around the world. And on that trip, I learned a lot. You see, I had academically studied about different world religions, but this put me face-to-face -face with those people who practice those different religions, and I began to see that the world is full of people that have a worldview different than my own. Perhaps you've experienced that yourself. You quickly begin to wonder, what about all of those different religions, and where are they going? So often people begin to ask questions like, do all religions lead to God? The problem is, is this is a Judeo-Christian question. We often make the assumption that everyone sees the world the same way that we do. During my travels, I began to realize that that's just not the case. People are not seeing the world the same way that I am. I'll give you just one quick example. While my wife and I were in Burma, we hiked our way through the countryside. At that time, there was very little infrastructure and there weren't hotels around. So instead, we stayed in monasteries as we hiked through the countryside. In one of the countrysides that we were in, one of the, the Buddhist monks at the monastery showed us around and was introducing us to different families. And I was really impressed that he knew all of the children's names. And so at one point I stopped and I said, how do you know all these kids' names? And, and he looked at me kind of curiously and said, well, because I named them. And, and I asked him, what do you mean? He goes, well, here in Burma, when a, when a child's born, the parents bring the, the child to the monastery and the monks name the children. You see, I just had assumed that everyone, you know, in every culture, you name your children yourself. But that's just not the way that the rest of the world sees things. The reality is that people do not see the world the same. When we ask the question, do all religions lead to God? We're asking this Judeo-Christian question. This might surprise you, but Buddhists are not asking this question. Muslims are not asking this question. You see, we're making two assumptions when we ask, do all religions lead to God? We're assuming that God exists and that you can reach this God. When you begin to study the world's religions, you begin to see that this just isn't the case. This isn't a shared belief. For example, Buddhists, strictly speaking, don't believe that God exists, nor are they trying to reach God. I actually had a Buddhist monk once explain to me how Buddhism works. He said that Buddhism is like an ocean. And in this ocean of oneness, uh, when a wave begins to form through desire, this, this ego or desire begins to form as a wave and, and suffering ensues. 
And so if you want to stop suffering, you need to stop desiring that will put this wave back into the ocean of oneness. This is called nirvana. Now, the etymology of the word nirvana means to means a snuff or to blow out like a candle. The, the Buddhist is, is seeking to not exist at all. What about Muslims? Muslims, strictly speaking, believe that God exists, but they don't believe that you can necessarily reach God. They believe that you can get closer to Allah. And this is where Muslims seek to hold to the five pillars and to do good things so that at the end of their life, God will weigh their good and bad deeds. And if they've done more good deeds than bad deeds, then they can go into paradise. But paradise isn't where God is. It's a place that's nearer to God. Now, some people might be listening to this and going, but I know of Buddhists and they seem to believe that God exists. Or I know um, a Muslim and they have this slightly different belief. I want to just tell you a key that I've learned over the years that's been very helpful. Don't become a student of religion. Become a student of people. One of the things that you'll find the more you study the world's religions is that there's a difference between what a world religion teaches and what that person actually believes. And one of the things that I have seen over the years is that people often mix worldviews. And so often I'll see Buddhism mixed with animism, Islam mixed with animism as well. Now, there's other religions out there like Scientology. This is a new one. And it believes that you, in fact, are God. Now, let's just think about this for a moment. We've got here's three worldviews on offer. Buddhist doesn't believe that God exists. The Muslim believes God exists, but you can't reach him. And then there's the Scientologist that believes that you, in fact, are God. Can all of these world religions be correct? Are they, are they all heading to the same place? Well, you can see that the question is really flawed, isn't it? They don't all believe that God exists, nor are they even trying to necessarily reach God. The question then that we should be asking isn't, do all religions lead to God? I mean, logic tells us that the answer to that is simply no. They are in contradiction to one another, so they're not all leading to the same place. It means then that it's possible that all the world's religions are false, but it's not possible that all the world's religions are correct. The only other possibility is that one of the world's religions is correct and the rest are false. But people don't like that idea. I mean, I think it's hard for us to, especially in today's culture, to say that other people are wrong. But now we're starting to get more at the right question, I think. We're really asking, are, are all the world's religions correct? Now, when we begin to see or talk about this idea of truth, you begin to understand that truth is an exclusive claim on reality. And this is where Christianity often runs into hot water, where people say, well, Christianity is so exclusive. Well, no, it's not. Christianity is not exclusive. Truth is exclusive. And Christianity, like all world's religions, are claiming to be true. Now, I had an interesting experience once with a Buddhist monk on this point. See, I had, was talking to this Buddhist monk that was a Mahayana Buddhist. And I knew that the Mahayana Buddhists had differing views than Tantra Buddhists, like Tibetan Buddhists. And so I, I asked him about the hungry ghost doctrine. You see, I understood that Mahayana Buddhists understood hungry ghost as a metaphorical teaching, whereas Tantra Buddhists saw it as a literal teaching. And so I asked him, well, which do you think is correct? Is Mahayana correct or Tantra correct? Because we, we often hear this idea of what I call the myth of relativism. And that is that Christianity is the bad religion that holds to this exclusive 
truth, whereas other world religions are much more open to everybody being true. But this monk said something that I thought was quite fascinating. He said, no, I believe that the Tantra Buddhist is actually following my form of Buddhism in ignorance. And really what he was saying was, I think that I've got the truth and they don't have the truth and they're just following my truth, but they're ignorant of it. And I, and I think if we really think about it, that's what relativism is actually saying. When people claim that there is no truth or that everyone's worldview is true, they are making an exclusive claim, which gets interesting because you want to ask yourself the question, well, how do you know that? Now, when somebody says that there is no truth, that one's interesting, right? Because you can see how self-defeating that is. Well, how do you know that there is no truth? Or you seem to think it's true that there is no truth. But what about the world religion or the person who wants to say, well, everyone is true. Everyone's got the right view of reality. You see, the question becomes, well, how do you know that? And often people want to harmonize the world's religions, and I think for good reasons. They, they want to see that the world's religions can all get along, and I, and I would want that as well. But what we begin to do is two things. One is we do a word swap. For example, people will say, well, your religion's true for you, and my religion is true for me. The problem is, is that that's nonsense. That doesn't mean anything. Really what they're saying is they've swapped the word truth for meaningful. So they're really saying, listen, your, your religion is meaningful to you, and my religion is meaningful to me. On which case, we would have to agree with each other. I'm sure your religion is meaningful to you, and my religion is meaningful to me. But we're not looking for what's meaningful. We want to know what is the truth. And by that, I mean we want to correctly understand reality. We want to know the way the world really is. So often then, to try to harmonize the different world's religions, because they are in opposition to one another, the story of the blind man and the elephant is told. And the story goes like this. There is an elephant, and three blind men come and begin to feel this elephant. Now, one blind man feels the leg and says, oh, this feels like a tree trunk. And another comes and feels the nose and says, oh, this feels like a rope. And then another comes and begins to feel its ear and says, oh, this feels like a fan. To which we're all supposed to stand back and go, oh, I get it. The world's religions are talking about one reality from different vantage points. But the problem is, and I actually really like this story because I think this story highlights what the problem actually is. And that is, is that everybody in the story is blind. You have three blind men that have incorrectly identified reality. There is only one person that knows the way that the reality actually is, and that's the storyteller. The storyteller has the vantage point to see reality correctly, to see how each of them had gone wrong, and is in fact telling what the truth is. What we should be looking for then is that author or narrator's perspective that sees the world correctly. And that's the position that each world religion is taking when they make a claim on reality of the way that the world is. Now, this is why I'm actually a Christian, is because I find in Jesus something that I don't find in the other world religions. Jesus claimed to see reality correctly from his vantage point. That's different than, say, Siddhartha in Buddhism, who doesn't claim to have any special vantage point other than that he experienced some sort of nirvana. But other than that, he's a blind person just like anyone else. Now, Muhammad claims to have heard from an angel that told him the way the reality is. With both of these individuals, you'd have to ask the question, well, why should I trust your vantage point or the vantage point of somebody that told you the way that they saw reality? In Jesus, what we see is that he spoke with authority as the author, explaining the way that the world is. 
And his answer to the question of do all religions lead to God, I think is very interesting. Jesus basically explained that no religion leads to God. I mean, how can we, the created, the blind, ever think that we can reach the creator unless he wants to be reached? And this then is the message of the Bible. Isn't that you can somehow work your way to God? That's religion. But Christianity is about a relationship. It's about a God who worked his way to you in the person of Jesus Christ through the incarnate Son of God so that you can know the truth. return with more from Andy Steiger and Dr. Neufeld in just a moment. You know, Back to the Bible Canada, in partnership with Back to the Bible India, are about to launch our new Bible teaching program in India. Beginning January 2017, the Bible teaching of Dr. John Neufeld will have a potential audience of millions, and that's just the beginning. In the months ahead, we'll launch a new ministry website, facilitate two pastor training conferences, have new Bible resources, refurbish and re-equip the Indian offices, and work towards the translation of Dr. Neufeld's teaching in both Telugu and Hindi. Exciting days of ministry partnership. So perhaps you'd consider supporting our international Bible teaching efforts in India. Our goal for December 31st is $45,000. So call us and join this ministry today at 1-800-663-2425 or give online at backtothebible.ca. Now let's return with Andy Steiger and Dr. John Neufeld. Well, Andy, those are uh, very important issues that you've addressed. So I've got two questions for you, and we can talk about other things as well as they come on. But uh, here's the first of them. When people say that all religions lead to God, as a matter of fact, by the testimony of some religions, they don't even say that they lead to God. Am I right in that? Absolutely. Buddhists, strictly speaking, don't believe that God exists, nor are they trying to reach God. As I was explaining, they're seeking nirvana. They're seeking to cease to exist. And and they're not alone in that. This is something that you can often find in other religions. Very good. So as a matter of fact, whether we're talking about Buddhism, which is in fact an atheistic religion, or Hinduism, which has pantheism, which doesn't have a personal God at all. That's actually an important point, John. I don't know of another religion outside of Christianity that believes that there is a personal God that you can personally know. Yeah, so the the statement, God so loved the world, just that much of John 3.16, only the Christian faith says God loves broken humanity. Am I right in that? Yeah, and that, that we could go one step further, and that the Bible says that God loves evildoers, that God loves those people that don't love him. That is distinctly Christian. That is a a type of love that you don't see in other religions. See, that's so important to hear. Now, let's move to the next thing, because we're, we're talking about a revelation from God. And the real question is the question of Jesus. Did Jesus claim to be God? Yeah, I like the way that the theologian Michael Green from Oxford puts it. He says, we don't need a religion, but a revelation. And he's getting at that idea that we're blind and we need somebody who's got sight that can show us the way that the world really is. And Jesus claimed that. Jesus claimed to be God in the flesh. And that's that, that is the author or narrator's perspective we should want and be thankful that Jesus speaks in those terms. Because that's what that's the vantage point you would need to have if you're going to be telling the truth, that if you know the truth. So it raises the question then, 
And this is a question that I find a lot of people struggle to answer. Did Jesus claim, I am God? Where in the Bible does he say that? Now, I one time had a, a Jehovah's Witness challenge me on this at a bus stop. He thrusted a Bible at me, John, and he said, show me in the Bible where it says, literally, I am God, where Jesus says, I am God. And there in front of a bunch of people at this bus, I fumbled through the Bible and I couldn't find anything. And I began to realize, you know, it's easy for us to ask flawed questions. Now, we already saw that do all religions lead to God is a flawed question. I'd also say that this is also a flawed question, to say, where in the Bible did Jesus say verbatim, I am God? See, you, you run into a problem, and the problem is this. Jesus is a Jew, and as a Jew, he was speaking Aramaic, a dialect of Hebrew. And you have to ask yourself the question, I mean, as a Jew that wants to claim to be God, that author or narrator's perspective, how would he do it? See, this, this puts us into a challenge, and that is that out of respect for God, the Jews didn't even pronounce his name, Yahweh. So what would he do? Well, I mean, he could have used the Hebrew word El, say, I am El, but the, the Jews would have said, well, there's lots of gods. The, the, the Canaanites have gods, the Egyptians have, which God are you, Jesus? Or he could have used Theos from Greek, and he could, I'm Theos, and they said, well, again, there's lots of Greek gods, which Greek God are you, Jesus? But what you find that Jesus does that's so significant is he... He doesn't say, I am God, because as a Jew, I mean, he couldn't have actually said that. What he does is what you see throughout the entire Old Testament. When a Jew wants to speak about God and you can't say his name, you describe him instead. This is what you see throughout the Old Testament, and this is what Jesus does as he picks up the same thing. He describes himself as God, and the Jews are not confused. Take, for example, Mark chapter 2 in which a paralytic's brought before Jesus, and Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. And the crowd says, well, how can this man talk like that? He's blaspheming. Well, why would they say that he's blaspheming? He hasn't said that he is God. Well, no, to a Jew, this is exactly how you would say you're God. He's claiming the attributes of God on himself. Now, this is where things get interesting, because you get the sense that the Jews are starting to back away from Jesus. It's kind of like lightning bolts are going to strike him at any moment. I mean, here, this guy has just blaspheming. And instead, Jesus goes to demonstrate that I have power right? He says to the man, get up and, and walk. He heals him. Now, this would have really blown the Jew's mind because here Jesus is just blaspheming. And instead of God striking him dead with a lightning bolt, he honors what he said by allowing him to heal the man. And, it, and you read in that passage, it says that everyone that saw it, they were all amazed. They, they'd never seen anybody speak with this kind of authority. So when you see different words for God in the Hebrew, often, and even the way God describes himself to Moses, is I am that I am. It's a claim of self-existent, of a saity. What I love about this is this is the name of God that transcends language and culture. Everyone knows who the all-powerful, self-existent, eternal one is. And that's who Jesus Christ claimed to be. So we really do have something that's quite unique as a Christian faith. Uh, we have uh, God himself stepping into the world and declaring himself. It's his self-disclosure. I think that's what we're saying. So, therefore, the Christian faith does present us with something unique that's not found in any other world religions. I think that's very safe to say. Oh, absolutely. I mean, think about this one, for example. In, with Mormons, for example, you got Joseph Smith saying that he heard from Angel Gabriel such and such. Well, you have the same thing for with Muslims. You know, Muhammad saying he heard from an angel such and such. Well, how do you know which one of those is true? Who actually heard from an angel, and should you trust either of those, right? 
Well, Jesus isn't claiming that he's an angel, nor that he heard from an angel. He's not even claiming to be a blind man. He's claiming to be God in the flesh, the author of life, the narrator that sees reality correctly. That should encourage you. It also raises the question, is he? You know, is he who he claimed to be? So we have a a story of God's self-disclosure entering into the human story and declaring truth to us, which is unique of all the world religions. Now, there's something else I'd like to talk to you about, and that is sometimes we hear individuals saying, you know, well, all the faiths in the world present the same answers, but in truth, the faiths of the world do not even ask the same questions, do they? That's absolutely right. What you see is that the world's religions are dealing with different questions entirely. And in fact, this is why we refer to them as religions. These are different uh, belief systems that are working their way towards their intended goal. So with the Buddhists, they're working their way towards nirvana by following the, you know, the Four Noble Truths, or, or the Muslim that's trying to work his way to paradise, where there's rivers of wine and there's shade and whatnot, you know, through by doing good things and hopefully outweighing the bad. But again, paradise isn't where God is. So this idea that all religions are, are heading in the same direction, I mean, that's just nonsense. They're not, they're not even on the same mountain, let alone are they heading to the same destination. So then the question, what must I do to be saved, really is asked within a context. And the context is, you know, given my sin and my helpless inability to reach out to God, given that that's the case. And by the way, when I say it that way, I'm going to say only the Christian faith is saying, that's your problem. That's, that's where when Jesus comes in in John chapter 14, and he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So he's explained what the truth is. Jesus' worldview is that we live in a sinful, rebellious world of people that are, in fact, not seeking to be in relationship with God because of our sin and rebellion. It keeps us from him. But that God created us for relationship, and he is, in fact, the way to God. Not that we can work our way to God, but that God worked his way to us through the person of Jesus Christ. And that in relationship with Jesus, we have life, life eternal. And by that I mean, and Jesus says this in John 17, he says, This is what eternal life is, that they may know you, the Father, and Jesus Christ, the Son you've sent. It's relationship with God as he's going to... uh, bring us into relationship with himself and relationship with each other. Well, thank you, Andy. And all of that sounds so much like grace. And that's the gospel of grace, which is unique to the Christian faith. Only the God of the Bible gives us this wonderful access to an altogether holy God, even though that we're sinful. Grace, it's all about grace. Thanks again for a wonderful day of talking about truths in Scripture. Thanks so much, John, and thanks so much, Andy. And don't forget to join us again tomorrow as we continue our series, Thinking, Answering Life's Five Biggest Questions, right here on Back to the Bible Canada, leading you forward in your walk with Jesus every day. Five hundred partner to tell monthly partners strong. That's right, we've reached our 2016 goal already, but we're just getting started. 
partner to tell monthly partners are the foundation of all we do, but also the force behind what lies ahead. So let's get a head start on 2017 as we work to welcome another 125 partners. Your efforts are the force behind making our Bible teaching available on radio, online, through podcast, audio mail, MP3, in print, and so much more. So if you consider joining the ranks of Partner to Tell and joining a committed group of ministry friends and declaring the truth of the Bible, become a Partner to Tell monthly partner today. Call us at 1-800-663-2425. That's 1-800-663-2425. Or join us online at partner.backtothebible.ca.